Hey guys, my guest today, Erica Serino, is going to be talking about plastics and how they can pose a danger in our society. I'll be right back. Grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey everybody, how's it going? I don't know why it cut off, but it did. Another weird day, right? Anyway, welcome to California Haunts Radio. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of lovely Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state, which means if you have a paranormal problem or think you have a paranormal problem, we can help you out. It might take us a while, to, a couple days to get to you, but we will eventually get to you. Uh, California is this huge state. And, uh, yeah, people don't realize it. You know, when they think about us, they, they think about us like Hawaii, you know, with the California girls on the beach and all that stuff. But in all reality, uh, it is like that. But there's also other areas that have lots of plains, deserts, mountains, farm, you know, farmland and all that stuff. So that's why it might take us a while, you know, a couple of days to get you. Never more than two or three days. And in the case that we can't get to you, we do have psychics on staff who can phone you. And if, if they determine that your situation is a haunting, they can, in most cases, settle things down for you until we can get out there. But like I said, it's never more than one or two days. If you guys are watching from Facebook today, and a lot of you are, please feel free to uh, follow if you haven't done so already. Same thing over at YouTube. Um, if you're watching from YouTube today and you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. I've got 900 videos sitting over there all of this show. So there's all kinds of topics. You know, I don't only I don't only do ghost stuff. I do stuff like today when we're talking about the danger of plastics in our society. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Be sure to do that. You can you can check all our videos out over there and all that good stuff. Also, while you're watching on Facebook, uh, YouTube, and Twitch today, be sure to give me a thumbs up if you like what you see. Uh, show, you know, show me some love today. And what that does, and, and, and comment in the chat room. For, I forget to say that. Because what that does is it puts us up higher in their, in their computer FYP, and they distribute the show out to a lot more people. So uh, please, be, please do that if, if you can find it in your heart. Last night, we built a gingerbread house for, for, for Valentine's Day. Everybody liked it. Everybody gave me advice on how to build it, which was really fun. You know, how, you know what candy to put where. So it was a really fun night. Now we're getting back down to business. Uh, we're usually not on at noon, but today we're on at noon for, for a change because I have an appointment this evening that I have to be at. Um, but uh, it's kind of fun. I want to talk about plastics a little bit before I bring my guest on. Uh, you know, I've, as a kid, my father was really adamant about and I forget what those things are called, um, the six packs, you know, the, the, those those plastic ring things, the six pack rings, I guess they're called, that hold the that hold the pop cans. And my dad was really adamant about, hey, you got to cut these up because of the animals. And I thought, well, it's going to the dump. How about the animals? But it never occurred to me that back then that there were you know river gulls and seagulls that that hang out at the dump and they're grabbing you know all the all the yucky foods and everything, and they're grabbing these things as well. But then as I started to go out over the years fishing, like by the ocean and stuff, I would see. 
I, I would see these seagulls and some of them would have plastic on them or, or they'd have a fish hook in their mouth or whatever. And I started to really start taking notice about, you know, stuff that was being left behind or left out during fishing trips and things like that. Then I ended up working up in Placerville, which uh, is a, not semi, not rural area, but semi, it's, it's up in the woods. It's on the edge of the, of the woods. It's in, some of it, most, some of it's in the woods. And I would see these reports come in and I used to work with the rescue up there and do and, and do stories on that because you would say I would see reports about these poor fox and these deer and even even bears, you know, even bears and cougars that would somehow end up with a plastic bottle. Well, not a bottle, but, but a big plastic jar on their heads. You know, like the, I'm talking like those big round jar things like for iced tea, you know, or, you know, something that maybe a big, a big thing of peanut butter because that would be an attractive for an animal. And I used to do a lot of stories on those, and it really upset me because, you know, these poor animals had no idea what they were doing. But then they're stuck wandering for days and days because they, because they have these things stuck on their heads. You know, it's a rare occurrence to see an animal like that. And that's why there's got to be so many of them out there. It's really sad because eventually they can't get that thing off. Eventually they're going to starve to death, die, or even maybe um, strangulate because, you know, there's no oxygen in this thing. So uh, I'm really excited to have my guest on. She's written a great book about this. And uh, let me bring her in. Let's bring her in. Let's bring her in. Hello. Hello, Charlotte. How are you? Good. How are you? There we go. You are? <laughs> Good to see face-to-face. -face. Yes. So uh, tell me about you, because you're, you're a journalist, just like I am. And um, I'm always curious to see, you know, what got you into journalism, you know, into the type of journalism that you're doing and get some background. So, um, similarly to you, wildlife was really my first step into getting into the journalism world. Sorry, hair is crazy. Um, <laughs> um, I was 15 years old and I wanted to have a job with animals because I always loved the non-human world. Um, I've connected to different places, different creatures in so many different ways. Um, and I feel really fortunate to have that awareness of um, the more than humans around us, I guess we could call them. Right. Um, and so at 15 years old, I started working at a wildlife hospital and I worked there for seven years. And similarly to, to you, I saw, you know, the problem of plastic just kept coming up over and over again. And mm -hmm. it was terrifying to see, you know, even during my young years, like that this problem was so serious and significant. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, what can I do to maybe hopefully prevent the problem than treat mm -hmm. the symptoms of the problem, which mm -hmm. you know, are good and helpful to rehabilitate wildlife. But what's the point of helping them if you're just going to put them back into a polluted environment um, to right. face the same dangers. So right. that was the the impetus. Um, and I started studying journalism in college and I really saw that, you know, the idea that we need to talk about the environment and human health as connected was really important. Right. And the issue of plastic, again, it's, it's like, I love that this is California haunts radio because that problem is the most haunting problem I think on our planet <laughs> um, right now. And so I dove into it head first and really started reporting um, specifically on that issue on other wildlife issues as well. Um, mm -hmm. Really at that intersection of the human and more than human worlds. And I found that to be very rewarding. Um, ultimately I wrote a book about the subject because the more I learned, the more I realized modern media was not covering the story in the way that I thought that it should be covered for the most part. So absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, you, you, you have this book out. It's a great book. I, I've read it halfway. I love it. I love every second of it. And I like you, you know, I, I just, I just feel bad for the animals that don't get discovered that have this stuff on their heads and they're either out wandering out there or they're, or they're, or they're strangling with lack of oxygen 
or they're just bumping into everything because they, they can't even eat most of this stuff on. And I don't think people realize how big of a problem it is, especially with stores like Costco, you know, and, and everything's sold in those big jars and the big bulk. I don't think people realize how, how bad the problem is. It's huge. Um, there have been more than 10 billion metric tons of plastic made to date, which is like an unfathomable number. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, people have tried to like liken that to different things, but I think the biggest problem with plastic is actually the smallest problem. Um, well, in, in size scale, but um, the microplastics that are shedding off all the plastic items that are all around us um, all the time. And these are getting into the air, into soils, waters, oceans, and our bodies ultimately, which is really frightening. Um, because they do contain toxic chemicals. Um, there have been more than 16,000 different chemicals counted collectively, like mm -hmm. along all the plastics. Um, and because they are proprietary to the industries that make them, um, they're not disclosed necessarily to tell, you know, exactly what is going in them. Um, there are certain rules on emissions from factories and such, but um, there is a lot of secrecy around it, which is um, very frightening because a lot of these chemicals are known to be toxic. So that's... <laughs> the short end of that, yeah. Really, really quick, guys. My internet is shaky. Uh, ever since the big storm, my internet's been shaky. If I happen to disappear from the screen, just hang loose. Don't go anywhere. Uh, Erica will get the full screen until I do a reset. So, yeah. So that's where it's at because I could see us bouncing back and forth a little bit with this. So, I wish Con I wish Xfinity would get its act together, but it is what it is. When you talk about uh, humans having you know these plastics inside. How, how does that happen? How, how do we end up having the stuff inside of us? Great question. So um, as I learned in my reporting, you know, first wildlife are really the sentinels of this problem. And I saw so many animals ingesting plastic. I even witnessed a tiny little larval fish in the middle of the garbage patch eat a little speck of plastic. And I was like, wow, that's how it starts because a small fish eats the plastic, a bigger fish eats the smaller fish, and then all of them have plastic in their bodies. Um, and then a human probably will eat the larger fish. And we did in the garbage patch find a mahi-mahi, we, we caught it, to eat. Um, and there was plastic in its stomach. And that was very disturbing. But at the same time, when you're hungry on a sailboat, <laughs> yeah, you know, you got to eat too. Um, but the problem is much greater than that. And now we know that there are microplastics and even smaller nanoplastics virtually in all the food and water that we consume. Very frightening fact. Um, I don't, I'm not being like, um, I don't want to scare people in the way that like mm -hmm. you do need to eat still and drink water, right, please. Right. but um, know that there are certain things you can do to reduce your exposure. I would love to cover that too. Um, Absolutely. But generally speaking, more the more processed the food is, um, and if you have bottled water, for example, the packaging being plastic, you're way more likely to be exposed to plastic particles than not. Um, I will point out, though, too, that fruits and vegetables have, have microplastics in them today because they are grown in soils with these particles. So it's really all connected. Um, it's much better to go for, you know, a reusable or un unpackaged food, reusable container being steel, um, glass, you know, even wooden containers in some cases. But yeah, that's one route of exposure. And I got to shadow some scientists in Denmark several years ago, and they had this breathing machine that looked like a person, <laughs> very roughly. It was more like actually C-3PO <laughs> from Star Wars, if you like Star Wars. Awesome, yeah. Very cool to meet such a robot. Um, but the uncool part of that was that it found, um, had the breathing apparatus inside that kind of acted like lungs, uh -huh. um, that it breathed in more than 11 particles of plastic per hour inside. Wow. So in wow. a college student's apartment, um, that was very scary. And then knowing too that the outdoor air also has plastic in it, often 
depends where you are, but sometimes mm -hmm. less or more contaminated than inside. Um, personally, I tried to build a house that was plastic free. You can see a lot of wood behind me, <laughs> untreated yeah. wood. Um, it's not perfect. I couldn't go 100% plastic free just due to costs are immense. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, getting an air filter for your house is a great idea. Um, I have one of those running at all times. And you know, just being conscious of what you're bringing in. So if you can choose furniture and clothing that's plastic free, so made out of wool or cotton, um, you know, hemp is great too, and other natural fibers. Um, I have jute rugs in my house. <laughs> so I really tried to do it um, to minimize my exposure as well, seeing how, you know, also, is it possible? How possible is it? Um, and it's also possible that we absorb these particles through our skin. Um, and the consequences of this mean that there are plastics found in our lungs, in our um, guts, in our brains, in our bloodstreams, veins, I could go on and on, um, even in the human placenta, which is like, so babies now are exposed to plastic even before they are born onto the planet. It's really unbelievable um, to see the, the extent of this problem. Well, that's crazy. And then you hear the stories about uh, the, the warnings on on the on bottled water where don't don't let them sit in your car where, where, right. where the heat can get to them because that stuff will leak you know will seep in, in into the water you know it's scary for me now now that you talk about this now that I've read your book I live well a mile maybe three miles from Procter Procter Gamble and those smokestacks are forever going wow wow and that's the stuff that makes you wonder because you know they've got packaging in there and you know what's happening to the packaging obviously they're not throwing it all out they're probably trying to burn burn some of that plastic off and it's getting into the you know into everybody's air right it's horrible it's horrible and that's also another part of the story that i really wanted to cover was like sure. plastic pollution is plastic itself but it's also the whole process from the extraction of the fossil fuels to the disposal. I used to live near a trash incinerator and an ash landfill um, when I was younger. And to know now like the health consequences of that, I'm glad that my family moved away or we had the ability to move away, but a lot of people are not so fortunate. And mm -hmm. these facilities target the most vulnerable communities. So usually low income people, uh, people that are in rural areas, um, and then people of color in indigenous communities and black communities. So these are, you know, repeatedly targeted, um, just there are so many systems in place that are so unjust and mm -hmm. the companies that are making plastic and processing petrochemicals and fossil fuels that are needed to make plastics, um, they keep targeting these same communities and it's this horrible like cycle of oppression that um, it will not end until we solve this problem, which is to mm -hmm. stop producing plastic um, and to stop exposing people to these toxic chemicals. Um, I've been to communities where literally everyone knows someone knows someone or has cancer, um, which is horrible to think about. And the rates of cancer among young people today is skyrocketing. Because if you think about it, the more you're exposed to these plastics, the more you're exposed to the chemicals in them. So many of the chemicals are associated with cancers, but also autoimmune diseases, reproductive and fertility problems, um, different types of breathing issues too. When we're you know breathing in these particles, so. List goes on and on. It's not good. There are things, like I said, you can do to protect yourself. Um, right. But really, we have to solve it by going to the source. That's the the bottom line there. When we talk about these products, I think, um, let's talk about plastic bottles. Because, I mean, are you for recycling or against recycling on those? Because, I mean, all they do is stack up. You there know, there's, a, there's stories out there about how recycling is causing a lot more of that garbage to be out there. 
Such a good question. And this is like the top question that I get. And I like to address it in saying that plastic was never designed to be recycled. Um, mm-hmm. If you go to the 1950s marketing materials for plastics, um, it's very common to see the quote, the future of plastics is in the trash can. Um, and sadly, you know, this is a material that like ingeniously, if you keep wasting it, you'll need more, right? So um, recycling is not efficient, is also very toxic. Um, very little plastic does get recycled. And actually mm-hmm. we've had just today found out about a cover up in California about um, these toxic waste bales being sent to um, wow. Mexico and several other countries. I can't remember the other countries, but um, under the guise of recycling and they're never gonna be recycled. They're gonna be dumped in someone's backyard or burned nearby a community. Um, I interviewed people from Turkey um, who had a similar problem where waste imported from other parts of um, different parts of the European Union, like Germany, Italy, France, were just dumped um, and burned in people's backyards, like in the middle of the night. And and that's corruption with the waste haulers and corruption with these industries. Um, and also, of course, the local governments that are allowing it. So it really kind of the pieces of the puzzle can be tied together um, with money, which is very sad because again, it's putting profits over human lives. And that's, that's horrible. Well, not to mention the oceans too. I mean, it's so, it's so, it would, it's so easy. And I don't do it. But I'm saying it's so easy to dump something overboard right. in the oceans because I mean, you figure you got thousands and thousands of miles of ocean. It's all deep. Nothing's going to happen, but right. I'm sure there's barges out there. There are garbage barges that are out there floating around the ocean. I'm sure there's other countries could be this country too, you know, that, okay, let's just sweep it all off the deck and we're done. Well, the submarines do that stuff too. You know, the military submarines. And there are rules that you shouldn't be dumping at sea, and yet there are not rules against, and this is potentially, like, I don't know the scale exactly of, like, comparing Mm -hmm. them side by side, but this is an immense problem, is the loss of shipping containers, either containing plastic items or the raw plastic pellets. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when those wash up, you know, when they're in the ocean, they cause so much damage, and then we see them wash up on beaches and just kind of devastate entire communities. Um, I went to a beach once where I found, like, 500 left-footed flip-flops that had clearly spilled out of a container um, in the Pacific. And, you know, to see something like that is so startling. And there are rules against like oil spills at sea and companies being responsible. And yet there's not a rule right now for like a plastic spill, even though it's another type of oil spill, so to speak. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking too while you were talking is that, you know, Lake Lake Tahoe up here, very very popular destination for the holidays. And especially like 4th of July and things like that. Next day they get out there to the beach and there's nothing but garbage on the beach. There's plastic all over those beaches. People, you know, people need to get it together. You know, they need to get their act together because that stuff gets, that stuff in turn, depending on the tide, it's a lake, but I'm just saying if you're by the ocean, for sure, Mm -hmm. depending on the tide, it's going to come in, take it and put that, take that stuff out and it ends up with the fish and everything else. Totally. And it's it's sadly been normalized to waste by these industries that make plastic because, you know, I do think individuals need to be responsible. Like that's super important. I like, think about the earth as an extension of you, which it literally is. I tell people all the time, like we come from the earth and one day we're going to return to it. And that's just a fact. And we can't think of ourselves as separate because that's going to be the end of us. Um, mm-hmm. And so really to treat the planet the way that we want to be treated definitely involves not dumping plastic. Sometimes we cannot avoid using plastic because of the system that we live in at the moment. Um, But the more we can embrace the principles of reusing, refilling, repairing, sharing, and regenerating. um, Mm -hmm. These are really simple things. I used to like see my grandfather save paper towels that he had 
just simply wiped his hands on and he would dry them and use them like six times um, <laughs> before throwing them away or like tin foil even. Yeah. <laughs> Total depression kid. Um, but like, yeah, it's, uh, it's so funny to think though, we've really been taught to waste and, you know, solve that problem by having, you know, hand towels, right. And then to wash them. But <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's, it's horrible. And I think, you know, the more that we see the plastic kind of washing into the ocean, that's, that was the way a lot of people, I think, got aware of this issue because it is ultimately a major sink for plastic because so much of it rolls, blows, or flows from rivers or streams right. um, into the sea. But um, I think now we, we have a bigger understanding this is a whole world problem. I mean, there are microplastics in clouds. They're on top of the Himalaya Mountains um, at the bottom of the Mariana Trench, which is miles and miles below the ocean okay. surface. Um, okay. It's a very big problem. <laughs> so we and, have I, and, I, and I agree with you. I think this thing with the ocean... Is bringing attention to it. I mean, yeah. there's nothing more heart wrenching than when you see a, a sea turtle that's got that plastic ring on it. Exactly. You know, from from pop from, from pop cans, and people just need. I, I think the, the awareness is coming, but it's it's going to be slow because yeah. people aren't going to change all at once. So well, what, what you know, what you know, how can we convince the mainstream news media to cover this more? Uh, keep you know putting the word out there in different ways. I think people are really hungry for solutions oriented stories. So the more that we as individuals can embrace solutions and I wanna point out, I work for an organization now called Plastic Pollution Coalition and we have tons of resources for free on our website for everyone to use. Um, and we're a coalition of not only individuals but also organizations, communities and businesses. Um, also some schools have joined us and there are so many ways that we can embrace those principles I mentioned earlier. Um, and show you know the world that we need these on a on a wide systems wide scale, um, and then reaching out to you know your local media and telling them look look what we're doing like that's the right way to do it. Um, we also have to make sure that the truth about greenwashing is clear. So greenwashing is putting a green veneer on something that's actually not good for the environment. So a good example would be like bioplastic. So it's another single use type material. P.S. It has a lot of the same uh, toxic chemicals as conventional plastic because it needs to perform in that way. Um, and it breaks up like microplastic in the environment and in our bodies. So not a real solution. Um, and then being conscious too that I've heard recently a lot of news with the Stanley Cup craze with young people. I'm not sure if you've heard of that. Your listeners have heard of it. But um, these companies need to stop marketing things as like, mass consumption style marketing campaigns so it's like don't say collect all 20 water bottles like just get one or two and then you're good for like 20 years <laughs> until you need to hopefully like recycle or replace it maybe indefinitely you'll keep it i've had some of my stainless steel bottles for 15 plus years already um, and they're still kicking they're dented like hell but they they work <laughs> and they're they're healthy for me so i know that um it's better to use that for sure. The issue we've got too with this is that this is a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah. And so it, it's 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 not going to change overnight. So I, my belief with this is like you say, with, with the work you're doing, it has to be us. It has to be us to start making those changes. And it's going to be baby steps to yeah. even get to the, to, to even make a dent in this stuff. You know, like you see these beach clean, these guys going out on the beach doing beach cleanups and everything. You know, and it's it's just it's just such a hard industry because, like you say, everything we have is based on plastic now. Everything, all you know, all our food containers, paper, you know, you got your plastic plates, you got your plastic floors, you got all that going on. So it's gonna you you you, you as as for what you do have a long hard road to haul. Definitely, um, 
the the winning part of this too though and i think this is so important for individuals to know is that it's cheaper not to buy plastic i did a side-by-side -side comparison for example of like having filtered water in your house with like one water filter which unfortunately at this time most are made of plastic um versus you know buying water bottles if you have water issues um and so you save thousands of dollars every year and again like the the convenience factor is something that um has been marketed to us so knowing too that it's not too hard once you get in the habit of doing something to stick with it. So bringing that reusable bottle, your utensils. Um, I, people have given me so much reusable stuff that like now I give it away because I have already enough of it. I only need, again, one or two of each thing. Um, and to really kind of like show that that change is possible. I, I mean, it's critical, right? I mean, those companies are going to fight tooth and nail to not stop doing this. And it's very frightening because I like to point out too, it's like your bodies and your children's bodies and your grandchildren's bodies, those executives are polluted by plastic just as much as ours. And it's like to ignore that fact is really quite frightening. Um, so we are trying to, to like pay attention to like, how do we hold these corporations accountable? And a lot of communities have successfully won lawsuits. Um, again, they're squeaky wheel lawsuits, even a $50 million lawsuit, mm -hmm. um, which was won in Texas by Diane Wilson and her organization, San Antonio es Bay Estuarine Waterkeeper, very long name, sorry. Um, <laughs> she's awesome. And she held this giant plastics factory accountable for its microplastic pollution um, because it was discharging waters that were completely contaminated with plastic into a bay where fisher people were, you know, trying to make a living. And she's a fourth generation shrimp boat captain. She's, you know, not like the environmentalist that you might imagine, but she is someone who is one and has been one of the biggest champions of addressing this problem. And yet every day, this factory, despite being found guilty of violating the Clean Air and Clean Water Act, um, they keep discharging these pellets into the environment and they're racking up violations. And to them, you know, $18,000 a day is like a slap on the wrist. Right, right, um, right. But it's something. And I think, you know, being proactive and, and stopping more expansion, more uh, communities are um, noticing that like their local policymakers have not been in their corner. There have been like secret rezonings or um, deals made with tax breaks with these giant corporations. And it really requires being vigilant, which is very hard today because our world is so busy. But um, we are fighting for our lives, quite literally. And I think, you know, it shows that everyone can be on this fight. You don't need to be like a quote unquote environmentalist. Um, mm -hmm. Again, the earth matters for all of us. And I think, um, yeah, the more that we're aware and the more we speak out, the better for sure. Now, one thing I've noticed, I'm a, I do a lot of fishing in the river. Mm -hmm. And not that this has to do with plastics or anything, but the state of California has put out warnings on the catfish. Oh. Wow. Where you, you shouldn't eat that much catfish. I mean, they're talking about iodine and things like that. But still, there is a warning out there for for, for the rivers out here that, you know, with the fish, that you do not eat that much fish wow. because they're contaminated. Yeah, that's we're where starting. we're at right now. It's it's startling, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It is startling. It is startling. I mean, years ago, that's what the whole thing with fish was. It was cheap. You could catch it. You could eat it. Right. And it was it was good for you. But it, it's not anymore. It's just right. even, even that's not good. How, where do you see, like, like uh, you know, as far as the baby steps going, what needs to be done for, in your opinion, what steps need to be taken first and then to make this thing progress? 
Um, well, we can definitely try to advocate for the Global Plastics Treaty, which is now going into its fourth negotiating session. So the United Nations called for a, a giant treaty to be created to um, cover the full life cycle of plastics, as they call it. So again, from the extraction of the fossil fuels to the disposal side of things. Mm -hmm. um, but again, we're seeing so much pushback from industry that there's a real threat that this will not have the teeth that it needs. So the more you can speak to your policymakers, your representatives, and just say, look, please tell you know the US government as a whole that we need to take a very strong stance on this. Other countries have taken stronger stances than us. Um, and we are the, the world's biggest plastic polluter um, in terms of production and then exporting trash. Um, and so it's, it's really serious. And I think that has a big potential to make a big impact. Um, even if we say stop producing single use plastics, mm -hmm. that would be a huge, that's 40, that's more than 40% of all plastics. So that's a, that's a giant dent um, in the problem. And again, that's a really easy thing to replace. Again, if we had like our reusables um, and I've been seeing more and more refill shops pop up. So it's also like, don't just use the stick, use the carrot. Um, localities should give incentives to small businesses that emerge that want to do the right thing and that do the right thing. Um, I have one in my town and you go there and you can get like deodorant in a glass bottle <laughs> or, or a paper um, dispenser, which is the second best choice because mm -hmm. again, the glass is more reusable. Um, and looking for things like that, like that are sold in those endlessly reusable containers or in bulk bins where you can bring your own container to the store. So that's the kind of thing we need to see more of for sure. Even at the dollar store, I'm seeing glass straws. Nice. I'm glad. I noticed to see that. You. I noticed yeah. that the other day that they're they are selling you know glass straws like four for ninety nine cents. I mean, how can you beat that? That's you know, really to, great. To, to go in that direction with it. Okay. Well, you know, you talked earlier about uh, people getting this stuff into their system. What is the chief way? You, the, the the main way pe people are getting contaminated is is it, is it via the food or is it via the crap in the air? It's a great question. Um, it's really both, but I think definitely ingestion. We, we it's hard to say, right? So uh -huh. there's been a study saying that we inhale a credit card of plastic per right. week and we ingest a credit card of plastic per week. And then that might be a very big underestimate. We don't quite know. Um, uh -huh. But the idea that, you know, you can really control your food a lot more than your air, at least if you're out and about, but in your own home, you can also, like I said, use an air filter. Um, there are even portable air, air filters. I mean, I spent a few hundred dollars and the filter I got, the filter doesn't need to change for five years, which is awesome. Um, and I have a reverse osmosis uh, water filter. It was 150 bucks. Again, affordable options. I'm not made of money here either. Right, so right, right, right. right. To, um, I try to grow my own food um, as much as I can. And I, I know what's you know going into my soil to some extent. Um, yeah, and just purchasing things that are like loose rather than packaged is a really great idea. Um, listen, with the fish thing, it's so hard because a lot of people rely on fish, like you mentioned, and we have to do something about this too. You can avoid eating the fattier parts of the fish and of course, like the organs of the fish or near the organs um, that can help reduce your exposure too. So, Well, you know, and that's something too, I was just thinking when you were mentioning the fish, you know, everybody thinks, okay, if I boil it, it's going to purify it from everything that's in there, just like with fish. You fry it up to a certain temperature. Okay, it's going to purify all the uglies. But this doesn't work that way. Doesn't, no, unfortunately not. But um, again, the, the water filter, I think, is a great option for a lot of people because, you know, 
now we're also seeing, like you mentioned with the fish, like water mm -hmm. sources are contaminated. Um, again, living near an Asheville at one point in my life, there's so much leachate that comes out of also landfills similarly. Um, mm -hmm. But this stuff is super toxic. It's so concentrated in the ash from the incinerator um, and it percolates down into the water table. And where I grew up, I was on Long Island, um, which it has a huge groundwater supply, which is awesome. But at the same time, if that gets contaminated, it can spread very, very quickly to an entire area and contaminate water sources. So um, knowing that and knowing like PFAS has been a big chemical of concern in the news lately, mm -hmm. that's commonly found in landfills, but it's also from, you know, Teflon pans, uh, rain and like, camping gear, um, and even on like certain types of food packaging that tries to be water repellent. Um, it's very concerning to see this over and over again. And now the environment itself is really changing its chemistry or the chemistry is changing um, due to this material and, and the, its production. So yeah, it's so urgent to stop that. So that's why I mentioned the treaty because I think sure. if we have to act fast, that's that's on the table, that's a real possibility. Um, and if we all speak out about it, I think we have a better chance. Again, this industry, I wanna point out too, it's like they sold us recycling as a solution knowing that plastic is not gonna be recycled. Um, mm -hmm. It's full, it's full of lies. It's full of these false promises. Um, and they're not to be trusted. Like the tobacco industry, I mean, at one time people were telling us that cigarettes were good for you. <laughs> it's like, right. they're not. Um, but yeah, and, and they continue to exist. Um, someone recently asked me, you know, is it worth putting a warning label on plastics? I was like, it would deter some people like cigarettes from buying the, the uh -huh. bad product. But at the same time, it's the, you know, it's still produced. And the more that's produced, the more we all suffer for it. So. Well, that's the thing too, like with bottled water. I mean, it's more convenient to pop open a bottle of water than it is to go to the sink and fill up a glass and carry the glass back and forth, you know, and that that's, it's, we're all creatures of habit because we've been push this with commercials and everything else that, that are out there. And it's just like, it's going to be a hard road. It's going to be a hard road. If you want to do a deep dive, it's worth looking at like 1940s and 50s plastic mm -hmm. ads. Because just like you explained, it was like, oh, you can just use it and throw it right away. And right. that was supposed to be great. Um, but the little extra effort that it takes, again, like I want to point out, like the society that we live in is far too fast paced. Um, I really tried to simplify my life in a lot of ways. And I found that really helped um, just my health, but also like my mental health. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, you know, Someone this weekend I spoke with um, at, a, at another book talk, she was saying, you know, the loss of community from these reuse and refill stations that they had. We had this, mm -hmm. you know, 80 years ago before plastic existed, mm -hmm. reuse and ref refill was the only option. Um, and so to go back to that would potentially even bolster our society and like help people reconnect with one another, which I thought was a really cool additional benefit. I like that a lot. Now you brought up Teflon and that, 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 that sparked something within me. And a lot of people don't realize this. If you have birds, pet birds in your house and you use Teflon, you know, you're using Teflon. I'm not saying this happened all the time, but there's been a lot of cases of the bird dying because of the wow. fumes coming off that Teflon. Wow. I don't have birds, but I, I yeah. can imagine that, you know, av like avians are so susceptible to, chemicals and again like the the term canary in a coal mine right 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 think about that um and you don't want to be breathing that in if it's not good enough for your pet it's definitely mm -hmm. not good enough mm -hmm. for you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
it's just weird because it seems like, you know, everything that they designed to help us is bad for us, unfortunately. You know, yeah. to, to make our lives easier because, of the, like you said, the society we live in is so fast-paced. That's what we do. We get, you know, we get our meals, you know, in plastic, little plastic containers, you know, and, and that's what we're doing. Throw them in the microwave. There's fumes coming off that. You know, you got your bottles and, and all these other things, straws and whatever. And it's just the way our society is set up. And yeah. it, it, it's, it's, it's just piles. And I know I've been out to, like, you know, over my career as a journalist too, I've I've been out to the various, um, you know, trash trash areas. You know, where people are where people are dumping trash or where they're picking up trash. You know, the gar the the main garbage areas, and there's just stacks and stacks and stacks mm-hmm. of plastic out there. It's horrible. Um, but the the good news I think is too is that there are there's never been more awareness I think of the problem as of now, because again, like the years of cover up of the industry and, and the false solutions, um, now people know, and I think knowledge is power. I always love to say like right. the truth is so important and, you know, to have the truth is something um, and we can act on it. So that's, that's positive part of that. But to play a little de- you know, devil's advocate on here, we'll look at the ozone situation. And I mean, everybody has, all the countries have to be on board with this stuff. To control this thing with the ozone, and I would think a lot of this plastic stuff is the same way. Everybody would have to be on board. That that that, that tree you're talking about is terrific. For you know, the, the first step towards that, for sure. And we've seen um, we actually have a plastic laws database on um, that we've helped develop through Plastic Pollution Coalition, and you can see that like the efficacy of laws is definitely like it's definitely working in certain ways, certain laws, um, but because they are so piecemeal the problem persists. Um, For example, back on Long Island, where I'm from, um, one of the municipalities passed a law against, uh, I think they taxed bags, maybe 10 cents plastic bags, and they didn't even eliminate them completely. And 8 million bags were prevented from being used in one year. So that's like a, that's a pretty significant number for, you know, this populated area that I used to live in. And think about that, you know, applied to every single use plastic um, and just taking them off the map. Again, that that dent would be huge, um, but there needs to be regulation of these industries and, and on a global scale for sure. California does the same thing with the bags. There was just a story out about that. I, I was going to grab it the other day and I didn't get a chance. There, there's something going on with that thing that, that there's a lawsuit or something pending on that because someone's been lying. I guess they caught them lying. Yeah. <laughs> you know about the benefits of it, and and so that that that's coming to fruition. You know, like I said, getting back to the landfills. When you look at these landfills, and you pointed this out earlier, you know, in the interview, they have to put that stuff somewhere. Yeah, I mean, they can't keep filling up the landfills with it because then there'd be no room. So I see, I I, I see what you're saying with okay, they're they're putting it on barges, they're they're sending it out of the country to Mexico or whatever, and then Mexico is turning around putting it on barges and maybe dumping it in the ocean or just going to some cliff, you know, over the sea and just, you know, chucking it in there. It's just, it's, it's such a huge problem. Yeah. And there's literally like the idea that it will never go away. It only break up into these tiny particles. So the more we produce, the way worse off we are. Um, we've only hit the tip of the iceberg when it comes to like understanding what microplastics are doing to our bodies. Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah, we, we have to think about, you know, how exactly are we going to move forward? And what do we value? Do we value again, our lives or do we value, you know, the profits of these huge industries, which by the way, rarely offer jobs to everyday people. Um, they are 
highly automated um, and again, so corrupt. Um, okay. So I really think that we need to reevaluate our values. And, and part of my book was going into the ocean many, many times on, on very simple sailboats. Sometimes we had no toilet and no shower for 24 days at a time, which is <laughs> an interesting situation um, with nine other, eight other people rather. Um, and so to live so simply and then return to like our fast paced society, it almost felt like this nightmare because it was so peaceful in the ocean, despite all the plastic. Um, it was one of, it is probably, I will say, the most beautiful place I've ever seen on this planet. And to know that despite all the contamination, it is still so amazing and um, full of life uh, really pushed me to think like, why are we doing this to ourselves? Or, or why are our industries doing this to us? And, and how can we really stop it and, and change the needle on that? To give people an idea of how it's affecting like the ocean creatures. I mean, we, I did talk about the sea turtle. Can you mm -hmm. give me some more examples of, of some different ocean creatures that have had issues with this? Yeah. Well, I'll start, I'll continue with sea turtles quickly because there's a okay. weird way that they are affected that is not super intuitive, but all the plastic washing up on beaches in conjunction with our warming climate is actually heating up the sand. So when a sea turtle lays her eggs, um, if the sand is cooler, which naturally there'll be some variation usually in like where the eggs land when she lays them, um, when it's a, a hotter sand, there's more females and cooler sand hatches more males. But the the sand is so warm that sea turtle populations are feminizing. So unless sea turtles figure out how to, you know, continue like uh, asexually reproducing, they're gonna face an extinction crisis. And that's just one type of animal. Um, I've seen even reports of whales and dolphins having PTSD from being entangled in uh, nets and ropes that have been left behind by the wow. fishing industry, which is really, so scary to think about as well, like the mental effects on these animals. Um, mm -hmm. Corals eat plastic and they get very diseased. I've seen pictures too of like different chemicals uh, from, this is a related issue, but sunscreen, which also right. often has plastic right, right, chemicals, right. but like a handprint on a coral because someone had touched the coral um, and the coral dying in that pattern. It was really unbelievable. Um, I could go on and on. I mean, someone told me once a scientist, um, his name is Christian Suberg. He was like, there's a size plastic for every creature in the ocean. And that's just a very sad fact, you know, from the smallest blue mussel to the biggest blue whale, plankton even are being entangled in and ingesting plastic. So the whole mechanics and like um, chemistry of the ocean is also affected because we need these creatures to have this full web of, of life and the whole food web. Um, and we rely on the oceans for food, but also for medicines, for recreation, tourism, um, so it's a really sorry sight to see this amazing place be destroyed in that way. And there's so many videos that I've seen in the recent months of Greece, you know, the coast of Greece. And then you see, you look down, it's beautiful. It's all emerald color. You look down and it's just full of plastic crap floating in the water. It's really bad up there. Um, and there are these hot spots that tend to accumulate. So we have these ocean currents um, in different parts of the world's oceans um, that kind of circulate the plastic trash. And then fishing activities tend to also concentrate um, pollution in certain areas. I've been to like some of the northest parts of Iceland and found um, plastic in whale feeding grounds, which was extremely startling because the currents were bringing not only the plankton there, but also the plastic. 
Um, and so really like disproportionately exposing the animals in that way. Um, but yeah, it's building up all over, but I would say uh, there are hot spots for sure as well. Okay. Um, okay, there you are. Let's <laughs> just doing that. I think we disappeared over there. All, all the Mario's go. Remember that playing Mario when the guy would <laughs> fall off the screen? I think that's yeah. where we'll end up going when this happens. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> um, now let's talk about you know the the your group. Um, so what are you guys actively doing out there to try and get the word out? And and and, and actually, because you, you mentioned you you know you've been out on boats and everything and all this. What do you guys do exactly? I mean, are you guys like, you know, like the people that are going after the whalers or how's that work? How do you operate? Yeah. So, so Plastic Pollution Coalition, we educate, connect, and advocate. Those are our three pillars of action. And so my personal job is communications manager. So I actually am on the other side of the press now. So um, journalists interview me and I get to talk about plastic to them, which is really cool. Um, and I also uh, speak to communities, to students um, in person and online uh, doing, you know, podcasts like this, which mm -hmm. is awesome. Mm -hmm. And um, just spreading the word in as many ways as possible. But we also have specific campaigns. For example, our Filtered Not Bottled campaign is showing that uh, right now so much of the U.S. is undergoing lead pipe replacement because that's another serious issue, um, environmental and health issue that we're facing. And we're finding that, you know, again, the classic response is, oh, you have lead pipes, here's plastic water bottles to like get right. you set clean water. And right. we're saying, no, these water bottles, they have heavy metals, they have different chemicals in them. We don't want you to be drinking that. Um, and also the microplastics, of course. Sure. And then those bottles have that cost to the communities where they were made and also the communities where ultimately they will be disposed. Mm -hmm. um, and so again, getting a filter is a much smaller cost to the environment and our health. Um, and so that's one of those campaigns where we are going out and speaking to different um, communities and also policymakers and showing them, you know, this is the information that you need to act. So we are like basically a clearinghouse for resources. We want to give you what you need to make the decisions, but also so the people who are making the rules, um, you know, and regulating can make decisions that are also very well informed. Um, and we, we want everyone to be involved. So again, businesses, schools, individuals, everyone. Um, yeah, we can't leave anyone behind. When you talk about filters, I, I, I have one of those uh, big dog fountains for my dogs. Mm -hmm. And when I'm looking at my water and I'm thinking about the contaminants in my water and I'm thinking, oh, wait a second here. Pause, 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 pause. Okay. And I'm thinking about, you know, God, the dogs eat better water, drink better water than I do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I was always I thought, you know, worst comes worse. I'm just going to clean that sucker up and just, you know, <laughs> deal with it. Just get my water through the big dog filter. Yeah. Because I mean, I mean, you're using carbon in there to filter that water, and I don't know anything about you know the stuff you screw on your faucet. You know, like you talk about those things, those filters. I don't know what's in them, but you would think that they would put carbon in there to filter that water. Yeah. There are different stages when you have reverse osmosis. So there's like a carbon filter and then uh -huh. a membrane and another, I don't remember what the other one does, but uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, they run through three cycles. And not that I'm saying to get that, some some right. pitcher filters, like I have a pitcher filter as well, which I right. actually for my dog. Um, and that one is, you know, supposedly getting out microplastics as well, um, again, with different types of technology and, and multiple right. layers. Um, but these are really affordable. And I think, again, like if you can, 
choose that option for now and then yeah. keep pushing for that bigger change, that's what we should do because definitely protect yourself as much as you can. Um, and as I mentioned too, clothing is a huge one. So if you get, you know, every time you wash a synthetic piece of clothing, tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of pieces of plastic wash right into your mm -hmm. water discharge. So if you have a septic system that's going right pretty much back into your backyard, um, right. into the water below, or the sewage system, which is not good at filtering out plastics and, and these chemicals. So um, again, like the natural fibers is much, much healthier. And then we think about this too, like, like, I, like I keep saying, it's such a huge industry. Our yeah. generation will benefit a little bit from it, but it's going to take, I mean, because the stuff's in our system. Yeah. And we pass it on when we, you know, when we have babies or whatever, we're passing that on to our babies and blah, blah, blah. So it's going to take multitudes of, gener you know, tons and tons of generations to where we're completely free of this stuff, if we ever are completely free. Exactly. Exactly. And, and we have to stay focused on that long game, I think, because otherwise there is no hope. Um, mm -hmm. and, and to have no hope is a horrible thing. Um, I, I have so much love for this planet. I have a lot of love for people, not the plastic industry, um, right. but, you know, and animals, of course, too. So it's like, you know, protect what you love and um, do what you can. It's not about being perfect. I don't shame anyone if you, right. if you are using plastic. I am not that kind of person. Mm -hmm. um, and just pay attention to what's around you and, and how you can make these changes incrementally. Um, and again, go to our website because we have tons of resources www.plasticpollutioncoalition.org um, and there are you know scientific papers traditional knowledge um, guides for getting started with how to have a plastic-free pregnancy or plastic-free school um, and tons of our coalition members are listed so you can easily say okay i want to go to a refill shop in my community where can i find one um, things like that so definitely an actionable place to get started well that's one thing like you say you know I'm I'm into the world like you are. I mean, my big thing either be on the ocean, go you know, go spend the day at the beach and just enjoy the ocean, or yeah. go up to the mountains and just sit on the side of a cliff, and take in the view. And it cha it changes your whole perspective about you know what's around you. And that's the stuff that's the stuff you want to protect. You want to protect those mountains. You want to protect those oceans and those beaches and the animals that that that, that inhabit the area as well. You know, it's not yeah. just humans that are getting affected. It's these animals. And, and like you, that's my perspective. I'm all about the earth. I'm all about natural stuff. My sister gets frustrated with me. The flea medicine on my dogs, it's natural. You know, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't do, I don't believe in the chemical stuff, you yeah. know, the chewy things and all that for them. And, and then when I go to the vet, they just look at me like I'm crazy, you know, because I'm not using these chemicals. I'm right. like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Too many side effects. Thank so, you for your commitment too. I really appreciate hearing that and like finding a kindred spirit. You reached out to me, and I'm like, yes, let's chat. Um, yep. I love that. I love that. Absolutely, absolutely. So what's next for you? What's next? Um, well, we're going to see. I might be going to the um, treaty negotiation, which is in Ottawa, Canada, because I'm not too okay. far away from that. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, just trying to you know keep spreading the word. I have tons of events, book events coming up, and um, in communities locally, they're all free. Um, throughout the Northeast U.S., um, so keep an eye out if you're you're available. It's actually a webinar. It's probably well, I, if we are live, if you want to join and learn about environmental justice, yes, um, I'll be moderating a webinar with uh, Dr. Robert Bullard, mm -hmm. uh, Shamira Levine, and also Dr. Reverend Yearwood. Um, and these are some amazing Black activists who have spoken out about environmental injustice in the plastic industry. And that's happening at 
5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, so very soon, but go to our Plastic Pollution Coalition website um, and you can join us for free. Um, it's an hour-long webinar. We'd love to see you there. There'll also be a awesome. recording if you can't make it, but awesome. um, yeah, just keep keep spreading the word, keep getting out there. And like you said, going out and enjoying the nature we have while mm -hmm. we have it. That's yeah. so important to me every day to get outside. And it's inspirational. You know, if you, if you have doubts about this topic and the pollution and all that, go out and spend some time. Go spend yes. some time in the mountains and take a look around. Even now with the snow, I mean, it's gorgeous out there. But yeah. go out to go go out to the national parks and check them out and stuff because that will inspire you to work harder at dealing with this problem. Definitely. 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 One last question for you is, and I do this to everybody, so it's not I'm not just calling you out. You are on the strip in Las Vegas, so let's talk plastics there, okay? okay. But you're on the strip in Las Vegas. You have your book, and there might be some people with similar books. Mm -hmm. How do you get people to read your book? Oh, I would say, do you want to know the full story here? Do you want to know the truth? And I'll hawk it like, you know, true Vegas showgirl. I'll give some kicks. In Woo! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It'll be fun. You see a plastic bottle on top for the headdress thing, you know, kind of stack bottles. Recover Miranda kind of thing with plastic. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to thank you. What website can people reach you at? Uh, go to plasticpollutioncoalition.org, please. I have erased my online footprint because in the words of, or the realm of simplification, I, I really want to practice what I preach. So um, I just want to thank you so much, Charlotte. It's been such a pleasure. You're awesome. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure to talk to you too. I really appreciate it. And then I, I love doing things like this. Like I said, you know, I like to do ghost stories because that's, that's, I'm a paranormal investigator. But on the other hand, there's still that journalist that I've been for 20 years. Yeah. that wants to get these stories out just like i just did one on the opioid crisis you know wow. what's going on with all that and uh yeah so i, I just love to trade it up a lot but thank awesome. you so much for coming on thank i appreciate you. it talk to you soon all thank right you. have a good one bye-bye you too bye-bye okay well i learned a lot and i hope you did because this is something that's near and dear to my heart you know, um, I'm just, now I'm an activist. I can honestly say that, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I, I, I will drink out of classic bottles if, if presented with it. You know, you just have a lot of choice, but like I, like she said, and like I said, this is a problem that's going to be ongoing. It's going to be ongoing for generations to clean this stuff up. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the ozone thing, you know? So, I mean, it's something that we all have to be made aware of, you know, and that these plastics are getting into our systems. So I hope you guys got a lot out of this tomorrow. We're shifting gears again, back to the paranormal. And Pamela K. Kinney is going to be with us. It'll be our usual time, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. And we're going to be talking about dogmen and other cryptids. And she's got a great book. I'm halfway through that book, too. I get a lot of books, you guys. So if I can get halfway through, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good, okay? I'm doing good with my, with my schedule. So uh, Pamela K. Kinney will be with us at 6.30 p.m. tomorrow to talk about dogmen and other cryptids. So I hope you guys can join me for that. Uh, Nancy Matz will, will be back next a week from tomorrow, back in her regular slot. Uh, we just had to shift things around for, for, for Miss Kinney, Miss Kinney uh, this week. So I hope you guys join me for that. Uh, another announcement to make, we're going to be doing a public ghost hunt coming up here. I don't have any dates on that yet. So just keep tuning in. And for those of you in the Northern California area, or even sometimes in South, you know, South Cal, 
we are going to be setting up and it'll be a haunted hotel and we will take you guys on, on a ghost hunt and show you how to use the equipment and work with you and uh, maybe we'll get some results right in these hotels we're also going to start filming as soon as we get i get things going now finally and my schedule settles down we're going to start reworking on the uh, team documentary and it's going to be all about the haunted hotels in the gold country up here in Northern California. So that's going to start filming. You're going to see some videos coming out, introductions uh, to our investigators. You guys get to know our investigators and all that good stuff. Anyway, I want to thank you all for tuning in. And again, tomorrow, 6.30 p.m., Pamela K. Kinney will be with us talking about dogmen and other cryptids. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. Uh, we are equal opportunity here. We're just trying to get the word out about our little old show. If you uh, like the show, you're on Facebook. Please hit that follow button. If you got this far, please hit that follow button. Same thing with YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. doesn't cost anything. And I'm very active in the YouTube community as far as announcements and things like that. All right. I will see you tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Have a great rest of your day, folks.